building on a full and accurate truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the scriptures speak. This is the Relentlessly Biblical Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Relentlessly Biblical Podcast. This is episode 18, and I am your host, Alexander Ortiz, and in the studio here, prevailed studios, that is, is Christian Lopez along with me. Hello. What's up, partner? What up? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about guarding against sin and growing in Christ. I'm excited about this topic. I really am. Um, it's one that um, is going to provoke some... Some fascination, some thoughts, some introspective look into your hearts. At least that's what we're praying for here, folks, because that's that's what this podcast is all about. It's opening up the scriptures and helping you to understand it. Well, hope, helping you to understand the scriptures more. We all could use a little bit more understanding of the scriptures, but we know that in this day and age, Christian, there's not a lot of people paying attention to the Bible, so we know it's sorely listening. I mean, sorely missing. Yeah. But our listeners, um, we have loyal listeners and out there. I just want to take a moment before we get started and thank them out there. Thank them for listening, for tuning in, and for... Um, just downloading and subscribing and just being there. I mean, when I talk about that there's a lack out there, there's not a lack in the, in the group of people who are tuning into us every month. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful to those folks, Christian. I wanted to share something. I did a social post some while ago. I forget when it was, but I thought there was an interesting factoid. I think our audience would enjoy this. Do you know that there are over 400 and 60 million podcast fans worldwide. Wow. That's a lot of podcasts. 400 million? 460 million podcasts. that's podcast a lot. Fans. Now listen to this. Experts predict that the number will increase to over 500 million by 2024. So definitely this platform we're on is something that's growing. Wow. And that we've made a little dent in that is awesome. And we have you guys to thank our audience for that. But here's the thing that's interesting in this post that I put out there. It's in it's our, in our Facebook page. If you type in Relentlessly Biblical in Facebook, it'll take you right to our Core Truth Ministries um, parent website. And we post everything there on Facebook. And here's the interesting thing. Out of those 500 million users that they expect by 2024... I said to myself, that's a lot of people listening to podcasts. What are they listening to? So I did a little study. Okay, this is just something I came up with on my own. And I found, I found out basically using Apple and some of the other um, main um, um, uh, distributors, yeah, uh -huh. platforms for the podcast, that the 10 most popular genres include news, true crime, politics, sports, and comedy. Interesting. So those are the top. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five. Those are the top, right? True crime, politics, news, sports, comedy. But here's the kicker with 40% of them being that the content is explicit. Wow. So that's almost half that's, wow. of yeah. the top five categories of people listening to podcasts where the content, you know, people are just not using proper language. So it made me think it's such a, a cool thing to have something like what we have, where not only is it the word of God, but it's clean. And the word of God, of course, is going to be clean. But it makes me think, what are people putting into their ears? Yeah. You know, when 40 percent of the content out there is explicit. So it's just a 
just an interesting little factoid to kind of put things in perspective because, you know, what you put into your ears is important. It's going to determine, you know, like they say, garbage in and garbage out, right? Yep, yep. The stuff you put in is what you what's going to come out eventually. So we just want to thank all of our podcast listeners out there because there's a lot of junk out there. And the yeah. people that are tuning into this stuff, they're not tuning into junk. They're making it a priority in their lives, Christian, Amen. to make the Word of God first. And we're just so appreciative of that. So whatever, you know, countries, and there's 16 of them that we've had people download and um, and. 41, 42 states that we've been in so far. So, I mean, we're out there and people are listening. And I'm just going to send a big thank you out to you folks. Make sure that you get that. And it's from our heart here in the studio, Prevail Studios, that we yes. are really thankful for you guys. Thank you, guys. And I'm thankful for you, partner, for everything that you do for the podcast. And I want to thank you publicly for that as well, too. No problem. No All problem. Right. I'm here. All right, my brother. So this is where we're going to go. We're going to go into, in our Bibles, into Psalm 19. Now, guarding yourself from sin and growing in Christ, you, you would think that this is going to be like a, a podcast episode where it's like, you know, five things to improve your life. <laughs> you would think that, you know, okay, these guys are going to ring out like five or ten, you know, points, topics, and these things are going to straighten me out. No, we're going to keep it real simple. We're going to take you to the Word of God, and Psalm 19 is going to tell us everything that we need to know, because really the answer to give you a spoiler right up front, you want to guard yourself from sin, be in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Be in the Word of God. That's how you're going to guard yourself from sin. So let's go to Psalm 19, and we'll go through it little by little, verse by verse, and just dig into it, because there's a lot of meat here. Okay, Psalm 19, and I'm reading from the uh, Legacy Standard Bible. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed the tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man, as a strong man to run his course. Verse six, its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of Yahweh are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, even more than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your slave is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also, keep back your slave from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, you know, Christian, my favorite... Uh, Psalm in the whole Bible is 119. Yeah. That has 176 
verses. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to cover that here, but if you ever want to explore, and I've mentioned this before in a podcast, if you want to explore one that that Psalm one nineteen to it, because it, this is really a condensed version of right. that one, the Spark Note version. But what God does in brevity here in Psalm nineteen, with with the economy of words, as John MacArthur puts it in Psalm nineteen, he expouses on that and he expands on that in one nineteen in a beautifully wonderful way. And the reason it, these two Psalms are two of my favorite is because it really holds the word of God in high regard. I mean, it's God telling us about his word because the word of God is inspired. Although this is David who wrote this Psalm 19, the author is God. Like everything else in the Bible, it's God breathed. This is these are men inspired by by the Holy Spirit and this is God speaking through them. Right. And he's speaking about his word. He's speaking about the Bible. All right? So the first part of it, you can basically break this psalm down into two parts from like verse one through six pretty much is about general revelation. It's the way that God has revealed himself to the world. And then from seven through 14, it pretty much is divine revelation. That's how God reveals himself to man. And it's through the word of God. So we're going to tear into that a little bit. But the heavens are telling, verse 1, of the glory of God, and the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day it pours forth speech, okay? And night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Now, those few beginning verses, they seem, especially those last two, seem to contradict themselves. But there's no contradiction. Contradiction. What it does demonstrate is that there's a continuous communication of the heavens that don't involve literal words. And we know this because we've, we've seen this in Romans 1. If we go to Romans right, 1 right. and we read Romans 1 verse 18 through 20, to 20 excuse me, it says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of the men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. Okay, that's internally. Okay, for God has made it evident to them. Now, here's verse 20. It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... Mm. Both his eternal power and divine nature can be clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are without excuse. So Roman kind of gives us an insight into general revelation in the sense that general revelation is bearing witness to who God is. Right. And Romans takes it even a step further and says that no one is without excuse. You look at creation. And you look at the world around us and, and go beyond our planet, look into the expanse of the universe and our galaxy and everything that's out there. And you cannot help but wonder at it because it is the order, the logic to it and, and how mathematically it can all be broken down. It's just incredible how it's all put together and you can't get away from the fact that it is God. Right. So verse, verses four through six, and let me continue reading. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man has run its course. 
So creation proclaims the power of God, and it reveals its knowledge to all. And that message, okay, what we see here in this bridegroom, okay, it's pure. It's something that, that, that's, that's not tainted, okay? It's something that God has created that is perfect. And it goes out to the end of the earth, okay? It goes out from one end of the world, end of the earth, to, to one end of the expanse to the other, you're talking okay. about the creation of God. It, well, the message that it sends. Okay. And that's okay. what I'm trying to communicate. Maybe not that hilly, but I'm trying to communicate is that when you look at God's creation and when you look at the expanse, like it says here, and when you look at the heavens, they're telling of the glory of God. The expanse declares who he is. It declares the works of his hands. It pours out a speech that's not heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but not in a literal word, but it does communicate like Romans says. No one has an excuse. Creation itself testifies to his handiwork. Right, right. And I guess what I'm trying to communicate here is that in general revelation, that's available to everybody. Right. You want to know if God exists? Just look at creation. Look at the world around you. Okay? Look at the birth of a baby. That's an analogy I use all the time, the wonder and the miracle of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And how in nine months God can develop such a wonderful creation. That's God, the life giver. That's God who's the architect of all those things, and he's the one who puts that together. So when you look at the world, okay, and when you look at everything in the heavens, and heavens can is our heaven and what goes beyond that, that expanse declares the works of his hands, and you can't get around it. And it speaks to us daily. Like this bridegroom that comes out from his chamber. Every morning the sun rises. And the sun rises on the good and the bad. Okay? It rises on everybody. So there's, there's a blessing that's in creation that everyone takes advantage of. There's, there's a, uh, um, uh, uh, a world that God has created that we all benefit from. But every day when you wake up, it screams about who is the creator. It, it, it communicates that, not using words, but that message goes out throughout the earth. Yeah, and you can use the argument of someone who, you know, lives in a deserted island who's never heard about God, right? Um, you know, they could wake up every single morning, um, and if they have people with them, um, and, you know, uh, babies are being born, there's no question that you would ask, okay, how is this happening? Who is this happening by? Because it's not man-made. So you can clearly ask the question like, okay, if this is not man-made, it has to be someone or something that has that. So that whole, um, uh, the telling pours forth the speech, uh, day-to-day pours forth speech. It's that, like you said, I like what you said. It was, um, it's speech that is, un, you know, you don't hear it, you know, uh, with your ears. It's just there. Like you, you can't, you can't, you cannot look at the world and your surroundings and not think that there is some sort of uh, a creator out there. It's 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 impossible to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, anyone who and, and there's a lot of people who who seek out sunsets. I mean, you travel right, any place right. that's new and and you're anywhere where you could see a sunset. You you make time for that and you say, let's go over here. And let's see if we can catch the sunset. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I think in those moments, everyone thinks about God. And whether they wonder whether he exists or not, that's that's individual. But in the Bible says that there's nothing to wonder about. 
I mean, it, it basically, although there's no speech and no words, that voice of who the creator is goes out to everybody. It goes out to everybody. So God reveals himself to us in just creation itself. Yeah. And that's why Paul goes into it in detail and says, you know, the context here is that, you know, in the context that Paul uses is, you know, because of that, we're accountable. We're accountable as human beings. No one is going to stand before God and say, I didn't know that you existed. No, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Paul says, you, you know in your heart that he does. Right, and right. And just look at creation. I mean, it, it testifies to who he is, you know? So general revelation is something that's very interesting because, you know, we, we come across people all the time, Christian, that don't believe in God, but, you know, they're denying what's obvious. Right, right. Okay? They, they go about explaining it some other way scientifically using evolution, all those other weak theories that are out there. But fact of the matter is that our Bible says that it's God that created it and his voice is heard through creation and no one can ignore it, Paul says, and we're all going to be held accountable to it. And you go, you, you, you get to see a glimpse of God's character being held intact and it's his justice. It's like his justice is, is there and he's justified because uh, general revelation, you know, um, obviously holds us accountable to saying, well, I exist. You know, I exist. That's like, that's like going into an art gallery, right? And seeing all these paintings and saying, there's no way someone did this. And it's like, no, there is. That's why it's here. This doesn't just, ha these galleries just don't pop up and these paintings don't just pop up. Someone has created it. And it's about getting to know the painter. So that revelation, that general revelation, something that we all witness, not everyone encounters the gospel. Not everyone encounters someone saying, hey, brother, hit, read this scripture, or you right. need to know who Jesus is. Everyone encounters general revelation. Creation speaks of it. So that holds us all accountable. And the reason that it holds us accountable is because God is revealing himself. You know, we can't seek God to know who he is right, right. on our own. God sought us first. And I believe that he's, and I believe because that's what the scripture says, I believe that the scripture is communicating to us and saying, look, God has reached out to us not only personally, and we'll get into that later because definitely there's a gospel message in everything. Right, right. Okay. But he's reaching out to us even through creation because what does this revelation make us realize? That there's a God. And if it's making us realize that there's a God, okay, then it's making us realize that we're accountable. And if we're accountable to him and we can see how perfect his work is, then we know that we have some accountability to him. So if anything, creation is, is a way of God to lead us to salvation. Right. It's a way of taking people and leading them to, through, to salvation through special revelation, which is the actual word of God. And we'll get into that in a moment. But Creation does serve a purpose. Paul, like I said in Roman, highlights that perfectly. The creation speaks of God, and we all ha are without excuse. So if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I don't believe in God, I'm going to be cool. No, every time you wake up in the morning and the sun rises, you got to be accountable for that. Yeah. God created that to keep you warm. He sent the rain to keep you, you know, um, to keep the ground uh, um, um, saturated and things growing so that you can eat and we can all live because water's life. I mean, these are right. all things we're going to have to be accountable for because God created these things in order to reveal himself to us. And not only that, but to lead us to what he is doing. Doing in our lives 
to what it is that he wanted to reveal further about his character. His character as creator is revealed through creation, okay, and that's general revelation, but that's got to lead us somewhere because God is not going to leave us there and say, look at how wonderful this world is that I've created. Look right. at the heavens. Isn't this, and I, am I, aren't I great? No, he's going to take us somewhere. And he's got a purpose for us, and we'll pick that up uh, going forward in this uh, in this um, in this psalm, and we'll we'll flush that out. But general revelation is very important because it does serve to hold us accountable, and it holds us accountable to who he is. Because there's really no way that we can, you know, we can uh, ignore the fact that God exists. Yeah, the proof is around us. I mean, everybody at some point in their life has seen a beautiful sunset like you said or like i think one of the things that captivates me about god's creation is at night when you look at the moon and how sometimes the moon looks uh you know different it could look very large it, could, it just looks beautiful just sitting up there and at there at some point in your life you have marveled at the creation of god whether it's through a sunset or you know, looking at the night sky um, in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, God is definitely speaking through that to uh, get to us. Right. And and one of the themes that you'll see if you're a Bible student and you're reading your Bible, you'll hear Paul talks about this. It's talked about in the New Testament by others as well. But the mysteries of God are things that the things that God did not answer in the Old Testament, he answers through Christ in the New Testament. And many mysteries become clear. I mean, we see that in the life of the disciples and the apostles who were with him, how they were with him and really didn't understand everything that Christ was trying to accomplish. But those mysteries, when the Spirit came, their understanding became open and, and they understood what God, what Jesus was accomplishing. And those mysteries became clear and what God had been doing from the beginning became clear and no longer those things were a mystery. Paul talks about those things. He really does. And those things that belong to God are mysteries, and they can only be known through divine revelation. And when we talk about divine revelation going forward here into verse 7, we're talking about the Word of God, okay? Moving on from general revelation, you know, you can be wise, and you can be smart, you can be successful, and we have successful people on, in, this, in this world. We've got people that have accomplished amazing things, but wisdom alone is not going to get you. That's right. Salvation. General revelation will show you that there's a God and point you in a direction of who he is. But it's divine revelation that is going to give you salvation. Wisdom alone is not enough. The things, those mysteries of God can only be known through divine re revelation. Let's go and let's read 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21. That's so funny. I was literally, I just jumped there because I was like, this reminds me of. So go ahead and read it. Go ahead and read it. 21. Uh, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So divine revelation and what God is doing is being revealed in his word. Okay, so going along the theme of how do you guard yourself from sin? You guard yourself from sin by going to the Word. Right. You guard yourself from sin by knowing what God is doing in your life. Number one, we understand we understand that He's revealed Himself to a world, but how is He revealing Himself to you? Mm. Where is He pointing you to? 
And, the, our, and our message here in this episode is to he's pointing you towards the word of God. He's pointing you toward divine revelation. He's pointing you to his word. OK. And like you just said, in the, the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. So the gospel message like you just read here to some people is foolish. But when it's preached, that is what saves and believing the message that God is communicating through his word, through divine revelation. That's the only way that salvation comes. Salvation right. comes through the word of God. It's the only way. OK, it may seem foolishness to some people when you read it to them and when you share it with them. But it's not foolishness to God. It's purposeful in the way that he's trying to reach to us. So don't fool yourself into thinking that you can be saved just by believing in God. Doing what you determine is good in your life and listening to an hour sermon a week. That's mm. not enough. Mm. Okay. You've got to understand what it is that God is trying to do in your life. You got to be continually seeking God in the word of God, because in this word is where God is revealing his plan of salvation That's for right. you. Okay. Let's go to Joshua 1.8. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of scripture as well, too. It says in Joshua 1.8, the book of the law, which is the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way successful. Then you will be prosperous. So God clearly tells Joshua when he tells, puts him in charge of his people, Israel, you need the word of God. You need to be in there every day. Right. You need to meditate on it. OK, you need to make it part of your life. And this is where verses seven through 14 come in, because you can see what the what God is trying to do with his word right in these verses. Let's go to verse seven real quick. The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. Now, the law is another way of saying the word of God. The word of God is perfect, like God is perfect, restores the soul. Our souls are dead. We're dead in our sin and trespasses. That means that the word of God is so perfect that it can save us. Mm. Keep what Joshua was told to Joshua in mind. Meditate on the law day and night. In other words, read your Bible every day and every night. He just doesn't say every day. He says every yeah. day and night. Try doing that, people. I mean, we always encourage everybody to be in their word every day. Do it day and night. And not just reading it, meditating on it, because there's something to be said about meditating on the Word of God. It's like, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in reading the Word, and we kind of like, it's almost like a checklist, and then we kind of just like go about our day, and it's like, okay, meditate on what you just read throughout the day. I, I know that some people, you know, are super busy, and if you can just read a verse of, of God's word and meditate on that throughout the day and allow, and ponder it and allow it to transform your life and, al and allow the spirit of God to open up your understanding to what was read. And, and, and I think that's something special to say about that because, you know, most of the times we, we don't do that. But when we do, we, we start to take a verse that is we've read a thousand times and it becomes you know, deeper to us as we meditate on it and ponder on it. 
And what was Joshua being charged to do? He was being charged to carry out what he had promised Moses that he was going to do with the people of Israel. Right, And right. it comes with a promise. You know, you stay in the law and keep it in your mouth, meditate day and night, and guess what? You're gonna, your way is going to be successful. But his way was being defined by God. Success is not, you know, I'm going to start a business and become rich. Right. That may be in the cards for you, and God may use that. But in Joshua's case here in verse 1-8 of Joshua, okay, his way to be successful was to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And they were going to prosper once they got there. And God is telling them, you stay in the word day and night, because if you don't, you're not going to get there, and you won't prosper. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, if you want to follow the Lord, you've got to stay in the Word. There's just no two ways about it. If you want success in your life and if you want to be prosperous in your life, whatever that manifests itself to be, the core of your success and your prosperity in life has to be your position with God, your relationship with God, and whatever that manifests to be. If he wants you to be the next Bill Gates, he'll bless you and you'll become the next Bill Gates. But right. with Christ at the center, with God at the center, with the Word of God in your lap every morning. That's right. Okay. That's success. And that's the success that he was promising Joshua. Because there's, uh, there's worldly success. Right. Okay. And plenty of people are successful without the word of God. But what's that going to get them? I mean, Jesus talked about that. What's it? If you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, what's, then what's, what's it worth? To, I mean, that's not even worth it to gain the whole world, but then lose your soul. Yeah. So there, success is measured by what God says success is in your life. And how would you know that unless you're in the word daily? That's true. And, and you know, speaking about success and, you know, like you were talking about, like, you know, if God blesses you to be the next Bill Gates and so be it. But it's you have to stay focused on him first. And, you know, uh, you know, my wife and I always talk about, like, if our business failed, like, what do we have left? We only, we have God, we have him, and and that's all we need. There's a proverb, uh, 30, uh, Proverbs 30, verse uh, 7, that is, uh, has a, a pact full of wisdom in it about that. And it says, two things I ask of you, do not withhold from me before I die. Keep worthlessness and every false word far from me, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is Yahweh, or lest I be impoverished and steal and profane the name of God. Amen. Amen. So you must be continuously in your word if you want the kind of success that God wants for you. And, you know, Jeremiah, he talks about that. My, yeah, I want you to prosper. Right, right. He, he wants you to prosper. He wants the best for you. But you've got to be continuously in your word with the same charge that he gave Joshua. That's the same charge we should have in our lives. But don't fool yourself, like I said before, into thinking that having, you know, believing in God and living a good life and, and going back to what I said before. I know it's a little bit of a, of a harsh statement, but, you know, showing up once a week on Sunday to listen to a sermon ain't going to do it. No. And I can't drive this home to everybody more strongly. OK, when I pastor the church and I've been around ministry a long time, trust me when I tell you, the majority of Christians out there don't pick up their Bible during the week. It gathers dust. Yeah. OK, you can't expect to know the will of God in your life and have success and be prosperous the way God wants you to be if you're picking up your Bible in, uh, on Sunday. And some of you aren't even picking up your Bible on Sunday. You're reading it from the screen. Have your time with God during the week. It's only an hour sermon. That can't, it's not enough time in a week for you to spend with God. You've got to yeah. make an investment and in spending time in the Word of God yourself, outside of what's being preached from the pulpit. 
I can't be more strong about that. Yeah. It's something that people miss, and, and, and I, I'm reluctant to say it because it comes out strong, but I've stood at the pulpit week after week, and I know that some of those people that were sitting in the congregation were listening to the Bible, to, to the Bible teaching. I was giving them on Sunday morning for the first time that week, every week, and that's not good. Make it a routine for yourself. I get up in the morning, and trust me, folks, I get up in the morning sometimes with like a, a mind load of things of, that I need to do. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very inclined to push the Word of God aside and say, you know what, I'll do this later. And you know a little phrase that I've put into my head that I keep repeating to myself every morning to make sure that I'm kicking myself in the rear end not to do that, to put off the Word of God? I say the Word comes first. Mm. I say that to myself every morning when I get that desire, that urge to, I'll, I'll read, do my reading later. I said, the word comes first. Amen. And I put it in its place because it does come first. And every time I do that, I'm glad. I'm glad that, you know what? I'm glad I, had, I stopped for a moment and did my reading for, the, for today. I'm not going to tell you that I'm perfect, folks, because stuff happens in life where you get up in the morning, you got to run out and you got to catch up with it later. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a daily discipline where you purposely get up every morning and before you start your daily routine that God has given you and blessed you with, give him some time. Right, right. It's, it's the desire to, to, to do it. And like you said, the discipline. I know, I know some friends who uh, you know, are not morning people, so their time with God is in the evening. It's, you, you have to find that time that is your best time to um, dive into the Word. And again, it doesn't have to be something where you're like studying word for word and figuring out what each word means, but it's enjoying time with God and allowing that. Like this morning, just reading Galatians 3, just enjoying Galatians 3 and reading that, I was like, whoa, what is this? And it, it, it left a weight with me that I carried throughout the day. And I'm like, man, this is this is some good stuff here. And it, it, and it pointed me to what God has already said. And it encouraged me to continue, you know, walking this out throughout the day. Look, you're going to chase stuff in your daily routine. You're going to chase stuff that you need to do. And, and that's great. Everyone has to have some type of ambition for what they're doing in, 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 in their daily lives. And that's okay. But part of that ambition should be, like Christian just said, let me pick up this Bible, let me read this, and next thing you know, you're reading a verse and you're chasing it down a few more chapters, maybe into another book. It's so true. And there's something that you didn't expect to do, but it's something that you needed to do. Mm. And God took you there to increase your knowledge and open up his understanding of who he is. And, and when you read the scripture, who do you see? You see God. That's right. You know, and, and that you say that it was so funny because I was I was uh, I was I'm doing this devotional um, and I'm just kind of like reading through uh, what is it, uh, what it has. And, and there's a, a second Samuel nine. If you get a chance, please read that second Samuel nine really opened up my um, mind to God's kindness. Um, and you get to see a picture of God's kindness through David Man, that blessed me so much uh, with David and Mephibosheth. Um, such a beautiful way to look at God and what he does with his children. Um, and you see that with David who has the Spirit of God on him and how he treats Mephibosheth. It's a beautiful, a beautiful like, I don't know, it really impacted me with seeing God's character and in his, in, in his kindness. Um, so stuff like that happens. Like you're just reading the word, like, okay, what, what can I find in seconds in second Samuel? Am I going to find anything good? And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, 
this story comes up and it points you to God's kindness. And you're like, wow, Lord, like, thank you for that. Thank you. You want to get to know somebody, you got to spend time with them. I've Amen. said this before. You're not going to know your spouse unless you make time for them. Can't just live yeah. under a roof and call it so many years we live together, but you don't invest in yourselves to know who, you know, to know who you so are. True. It's the same thing with your relationship with God. You got to invest some time if you want to know who he is. And he's making himself known. Not only has That's he right. made himself known, like we covered in general revelation by just creating this amazing world that, 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 that just, you know, speaks to who he is. But he's trying to reach you through his word. But you got to pick it up. That's right. That's right. You got you to blow the dust off of it and you got to be in it. Let's go to verse seven and finish that one off. It says uh, the testimony of Yahweh is sure. Now, the testimony of Yahweh, that's that's another way for the uh, of the word ex- like the law. Testimony means the word of God. So the word of God is sure making the wise simple. So God is testifying to you. So you pick up this book. He's talking to you. Okay, like our other podcasts we have, but we people share their testimony, how God reached into their lives and changed them and transformed them and saved them. Well, God is in the word of God is is there for you so that he can testify to you. Hey, this is who I am. Like you were just saying. That's right. That's right, man. Wow. Look at look at how God is. He is so kind. That's something that you learned recently because you spend time with him. How would you know those things if you don't spend time with him? That's so true. Man. Now, you know what's interesting about the Yahweh, the, the testimony of Yahweh, sure, making the wise simple. It's not saying that we're dumb or anything like that. It, it, I, that word really, re- really means that, that it, 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 it sheds our ignorance. Things that we don't know, we begin to know. God mm. opens up our understanding to know things that he wants to reveal. You know, it's like um, it's like I've said, you know, there's, there's, and we talked about this in the last episode. We've got it on our website. You know, there's all kinds of truths out there, but there's only one truth that matters, and that's God's truth. It's really the only truth that matters because if you want to understand everything, okay, from God's perspective, which is the only perspective that matters, that's what the word of God is for. Right, right. So if you want to understand everything from his perspective, that's the way that he communicates to to you in the word of God. So what is simple to us or when we read the word and we're ignorant and we don't understand his understanding will come to you because his testimony is sure it is. It is. It's going to turn you around. It's going to open up your understanding. Now, verse eight, it says the precepts, which is another way of, of, of saying, you know, the statutes or what God charges us to do. OK, the, the precepts of Yahweh are right. Rejoicing the heart. OK, that's the joy that you were just expressing before. Like, wow, I just read this today. And you know what? God is kind. Yeah. OK. And that brought joy to your heart. OK. And I just think about those men on the road to Emmaus. Right, right. Okay, they're they're basically going home, and we've talked about this before in other episodes. They're going home because they didn't understand what happened in Jerusalem. A stranger comes along, and they're like, hey, what, you're the only guy in town who don't want to know what's going on? There was a guy, we thought he was the one, and now they've crucified him. And Jesus says, you guys don't understand. Open up your Bible and let me show you. That's right. And what their, what happened to their hearts? Their hearts were on fire with what they had learned, what God had revealed to them, lit up their heart. It rejoiced their heart. 
or even the eunuch who's sitting there reading, reading Isaiah and That's Philip right, is Philip. sent to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's sitting there like, I don't understand this. Can, I wish I had someone who can explain this to me. And Philip's un- explained so. it to him. <laughs> and what did he do? He went away rejoicing. Yep, yep. Okay. Another reason to be in the Word of God every day, because His precepts, His charges, what He wants you to do, His statutes, the the the, the things that He wants you to live by, they'll make you rejoice in your life. They'll bring you that joy that you're looking for. So it's funny that we sit down in the morning to do our thing, because it's what we got to do to get ourselves yeah, yeah. where we want to go. Okay. Those things don't always bring us joy. But we get into the word of God and God opens up our our understanding and he reveals himself just a little bit more to us. Guess what? It brings us joy every time. So So why would you not do it? Because what you're pursuing in your life, your goals and those things, I applaud you for it, people. You've got to have dreams and goals, but sometimes they're disappointing. The word of God is not disappointing. It will rejoice you and make you happy every time. It's so true. It, it, there's nothing better than getting another glimpse, another piece of, of of God's revelation through His Word. Like it's almost like you're 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 slowly unveiling the that that veil off your eyes, and you're every time you're in the Word and it comes, you're you're just seeing the glory of God. Almost like Moses gets to see uh, the glory of God, and it, and and it's so true. I mean it's it's so worth it it's worth it to just sit there for maybe five minutes and just read it, it's so worth it let's take a quick break and we come back we'll finish this off hang in there folks we are privileged and excited that you joined us today please remember to visit our episode notes they contain links to scripture any information we reference during the show and a link to join our mailing list to receive the latest show news and updates if you want to send us your questions provide feedback or submit an idea for a future episode, we want to hear from you. Just use the Join the Conversation link provided to contact us. Want to get to know us better? Then we encourage you to use the Core Truth Media link provided in our episode notes to visit our coretruthmedia.org homepage. You can connect with us via social networks from that page and explore the diverse range of podcasts and high-quality content our ministry offers to those seeking to deepen their understanding of the Bible and grow in their faith. Finally, we invite you to help us communicate God's truth throughout the globe. Anyone can listen to this show for free everywhere podcasts are available. Click the listen and follow link in our episode notes and share it with your friends and family. You'll be glad you did. We appreciate your support. Now let's get back to our show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's pick up where you left off, um, which was at the verse eight, where you're talking about how it's, we were talking about it's rejoicing the heart, and, and you were talking about how you just see new things in Scripture. That's the second part of verse eight. The commandments of Yahweh are pure, enlightening the eyes. Okay, what you couldn't see, God opens up your eyes so you can see. Verse nine, the fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. Now, fear, I understand that word to be And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. We know that the scripture teaches that. And the fear of the Lord is basically, if you're in the word of God and you're committed to that, the fear that, 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 that the word of God is talking about here is not like you're trembling before him, although that happens sometimes because you, but it doesn't come out of a fear because he's some kind of tyrant is what I'm trying to get to. It comes from a fear where, 
you know what? I don't want to displease him. Mm. I know what I read yesterday. I know what I've been reading in the in the Bible. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know his statutes. I know what he's charged me to do in my life. I'm fearful of going outside of that. Mm. Okay? I want to honor him. Right. I want to glorify him. I want to worship who he is in my life. That's how I interpret this fear. It's a respect. It, it, it's it's more than that. Right. It's hard I, for me to put into words, but for, for me, fear encompasses almost like a worship. Like, mm. why do you worship somebody? Because you want to please them. Why do you worship a king? Because when he charges you to do something, you go do it in his name and to honor him. Yeah. I live my life the way that he's charged me to live it because I want to please him. Okay. And if fear encompasses all that, then I'm okay with that word, right, but don't right. get stuck on it. Like, don't be afraid of God. It encompasses so much more than that. Okay. When you love somebody and you're in a relationship and you commit yourself to be pure and to, and to, to save yourself for only that person alone, that fear should carry you through that relationship. You don't want to displease that person. You don't right, want to go right. back on the promises that you've made to that person. It's not that you're afraid of that person. You want to honor them. Yeah. You want to respect the commitment that not only you've made to them, but they've made to you. Okay. That's to me how I understand this fear. The fear of Yahweh is clean and it endures forever. That means that even after we leave this planet, folks, he's still going to be charging us to do things. He's still going to be saying, okay, this is what, what, what I want to do and making us a part of it forever. Sin will not be there with us Amen and we'll that. be in a glorified body and we'll be there in the presence of God and we'll be in the presence of his son. But guess what? Doing God's will never goes away. You know, it, serving the king is an eternal job. That's right. It's an eternal job. And I hope I'm, I'm conveying that correctly because people get stuck on that whole fear thing. And people who are kind of wishy-washy about the Bible, I don't want to serve a God that scares people and hits people with thunderbolts. That's not the no. God we serve. Our God loves us and we love him back. And our fear is in, in disappointing him. He's our king, and he is who we serve. Right. If you want to call that fear, I'm cool with that. You understand what I'm saying? Of course. I mean, you see that with Moses when God proclaims who he is, and then Moses had nothing else to do but to bow down low to the ground and worship. It's that. That's what it makes you do. Amen. So from verse 7 to 10, we've got the law of Yahweh, the testimony of Yahweh, the precepts of Yahweh, the commandments of Yahweh, the fear of Yahweh, okay? Of Yahweh, of Yahweh. It says several times, and because it's his word, okay? The judgments of Yahweh. And guess what? Verse 10, they, that means all those things, are more desirable than gold, even more than fine gold, Okay, now, how desirable is the word of God in your life? Do you desire it more than gold? Gold is right. pretty precious. Yeah. Now, in biblical times, gold was a very important thing because it's the thing of the highest value. And believe it or not, even in this world, with all this electronic money and all these, these monetary um, instruments that we create out of thin air, okay, it's still gold is king. I remember years back when um, Saddam Hussein was chased out of his country in Iraq. I mean, they they had him like hauling trucks of dollar bills and gold bricks trying to leave the country because if you got gold, 
Even you if know, the money everywhere. isn't worth anything, you yeah. can buy a piece of bread with a... So true. Look at this politician they just caught recently that it was caught with corruption and he had gold uh, ingots and, 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 and stuff, you know, that was hidden in his house. Because when, when it all comes down to, you know, if you got, you got to be on the run, what can you use for money? Gold. It was even back then in that time. It's something that was it, it, it showed that you you had wealth. It showed that you had a way to defend yourself. It, it was the, the, the monetary system of the world then and it still is now. Right. OK. In, in a very deep sense, it is. OK. And it's something that's precious. And if it's that precious, the word of God needs to be that precious. It's something that we need. Money is something that we need. Gold is something that we need, something of value. We need that. Well, guess what? The word of God has value. Amen. We need that too. More and it should gold. more than gold because it's, it should be more desirable than gold because gold is temporary. That's true. Okay? But the word of God endures forever. And it's sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So not only is it something that's precious, not only is it something that's desirable, something that we value above all things, okay? Because gold is valued above all things in, in no matter what world, this world and the past world. Like I was just saying, the word of God is something we have to value above all things. And that goes back to what we were talking about in our last episode about living relentlessly biblical. Right, right. How many of those biblical principles that you know God is showing you and revealing to you in the scripture are you living by? Are the, is it desirable for you to live by those statutes, by the things that God has charged us to do, by his commandments? Right, How right. precious is, is it to you that you live by those principles? Okay, you've got to desire it more than the things of the world, which is gold, in order for you to pursue how precious they are and have that preciousness in your life because it's, look at the return, it's sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. That means that's going to give you satisfaction as well to 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 go after the uh, the word of God because it's 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 better than anything that's out there. That's right. You know, that's a wonderful more 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 sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. Verse eleven. Moreover, by them, okay, by them being the statutes, the testimony, the word of God, right? By them, your slave is warned. Now we're getting back to where we. How do you guard yourself from sin? By being in the word of God, God shows you what to do, what not to do. In keeping them, there is great reward. So how do you guard yourself from sin? You stay in the word of God. Because in the word of God, God is going to show you. And it's interesting that he uses the word slave there because he is serving God. He's a servant of God. Like I said before, we serve a king. What does he want in our life? Right, right. You know, that's it, it puts in perspective that we don't serve ourselves. We serve him. And because we serve him, we can count on him to warn us. You know, in one of the Psalms, David says, I, I believe it's in um, it, it's in 119. There's a verse in there that says, you know, the, the word is like a lamp unto my feet. That's right. Not only does it illuminate the path. But God makes the path for you. Not only does he make the path for you in life, but he also illuminates it for you. So God not only just warns you and directs you where to go, he illuminates that path and he opens up your understanding so you can see clearly where you're going. And who can discern his errors and acquit me of my, acquit me of my hidden faults? 
let me go to verse 13. And also keep back your slave from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. Now, this is David acknowledging that there is sin that we commit in lives. And sometimes those things are things that we can't help doing because of our nature. Sometimes we're stupid. There's no right. other way to put it. Sometimes we sin unintentionally. Of course, people sin in their lives and they do it intentionally and they go in direct disobedience to God. But sometimes we do stupid things. I mean, oh, I, for one, <laughs> put my foot in my mouth many times. And, you know, um, some people say something that they shouldn't say and it makes them feel bad. That's a good thing. That's God convicting your soul and, and, and saying, okay, well, you know, I've got you covered there too. Okay, because he will hold you blameless just as long as you seek him. Okay, now the interesting perspective to have on these verses here. Go, just go back just a little bit. The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. I th I read that verse and I think of of justification when Jesus died on the cross. He justified. He restored us. Okay, so in the word of the Lord, in his word, there's salvation. We established that, right? And here's sanctification. Here's, he's guarding us from sin. He's warning us from sin. He's rewarding us when he keeps us from sin. He's helping us to discern our errors. He's, he's acquitting us, okay, of the things, our hidden faults, and also keeping us from the sins that we don't mean to commit. So in a way, if you look at the entirety of what we've covered so far here, we've got the gospel here. We've got Jesus dying on a cross, right. okay, because that's where God is leading everybody, right? The word of God, like we saw on the road to Emmaus, he went from the Old Testament to the New Testament, not from the Old Testament, from, you know, the prophets and Moses. He went through all those books and showed them how it was all about him. And Jesus says, search the scriptures, they're about me. Right. So the word of God is leading us to Christ. It's leading us to restore us because that's salvation and sanctification is that transformation that we talked about in our last episode because the word of God if you're in it and if you're studying it, and if you're seeking him out it cannot help but transform you it cannot help but change who you are right being in the word of God daily is going to have that effect on your life it's going to change you from who you are and the things that are that are in your life that are hidden God is going to reveal those things those sins that you commit and you can't help themselves after a while when you're in the word of God and you're seeking his will and he's making these things clear in your life he's going to sanctify you he's going to eliminate those things in your life the greatest evidence of a person who believes in God and, and believes in what Christ has done on the cross is a transformed life. That's right. So I see in these words here, I see salvation that God is pointing us to. Remember, the, the general revelation is not going to save us, but when we get into the word, that's where we find salvation. That's, so true. that's where it points us to our sins. That's where it points us, like what David's doing here, acknowledging our sins. And saying, who's going to help me stay away from these things that dog me down? Well, the first half of it, there's no restoring. There's no making wise simple. There's no rejoicing in your heart. The first half, like you said, is general relations. It's just telling. It's bringing forth something. It's, it's making you acknowledge something that is out there. And then it's getting into word. It's no coincidence that John says that Jesus is the word. Because Jesus is the one that restores the soul. He is the word of God that is perfect. Um, 
and he restores our soul through what he does on the cross. And I mean, come on. Uh, also back, um, verse 13, also keep back your slave from presumptuous sins and let them not rule over me. How do you do that without the Holy Spirit? Uh, yeah. How do you l- not let sin rule over you without the, the Holy Spirit in you and living through you? Right, right. Okay. When you come to Christ and you understand what he's done for you on the cross, he comes, the Savior comes to live in you through the Holy Spirit. And that transformation happens. And, and, and that knowledge of salvation that we're talking about, that gospel message, which I'm seeing here, it comes through the word of God. It's the only way. Right. It's the only way that you can know God's plan for you. And, and God desires that all men be saved. But how can you not let sin rule over your life? How can you do that on your own? The Bible says that we cannot. We it's need impossible. the Spirit for that. Yeah. We need the Holy Spirit for that. And then he says, then I will be blameless. How can you stand blameless before a holy God? I mean, you did that episode on God's goodness. Mm. You covered very well how God is holy. How can we stand before him pure, perfect, righteous through justification? And then sanctification, justified by what Christ has done on the cross, dying for our sins on the cross, and then putting all those sins on him, not on us, and then restoring us, restoring our souls. You can't be blameless blameless before God without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is here in the Word. And it says here, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. So even, you know, let me tell you something. These Old Testament guys, including David here, they knew that Christ was coming. This speech, this this language screams of the Savior coming. Right, right. And doing these things. And we'll get into that more in later episodes. We've got a plan for that. But the Old Testament saints understood that God was doing something when his word was being revealed to them. He was working out a plan. He was working out something to hold them blameless. Remember, they were living with this this, uh, sacrificial system that was repeating daily and monthly and yearly. This was never going to go away and was never going to take away their sins. Yet David says here, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. And if we know David, just read Psalm 51 when after, right, the, right. after his sin with Bathsheba, when he was contrite and his heart was repenting of that great sin that he did, he knew that God was going to put that behind him and never look at it anymore. How does the Old Testament saints know this? Because the word of God communicates that to him. So no one can acquit you of great transgression except God, and that's only done through Christ. John 14, verses 23 and 24 says this, Jesus answered them and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and I will come to him and make our dwelling in him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father who sent me. So if you keep his, how do you identify a follower of Christ? If you keep his word, you love him. If you're a follower of Christ, you will keep his word and his Father will love you. And he promises to come to you and live in you. This is what David was looking forward to. I shall be acquitted of great transgression. 
He understood that it was only through God that these sins were going to get put behind God so they wouldn't look at him anymore. John, uh, 1 John um, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. And, this, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if you say that you're his, then you keep his commandments. And commandments, don't get hung up on the Ten Commandments because it's more than that. Right, right. That's one thing that you could see here in Psalm 19. It lays it out for you. When you the commandments is his word. Keep what's in his word. Do what the Bible tells you to do. Okay, that's the commandments. If you keep his commandments, you will know him. And if you don't keep them, then the truth is not in you because where is the truth found? It's found in his word. Right, right. And that's why you've got to be in the word all the time because you got to keep that truth in you. Just walk away from it. People, look, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you've been any student of the Bible for any period of time where you've been devoted to picking up your, your Bible and reading it, and then you get into a funk and then you walk away, let's say for a few days, a few weeks, and a few months, you feel it. That is so true. You feel it when you walk that. away. Yep. You you know it's like going to the chiropractor on a weekly basis yeah. <laughs> and when you stop going your body gets all out of whack and you're like, "Man, you know, this is not good. I, you know. I, I need to start going back and get myself readjusted." The word of God is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You walk away from it, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. So stay in the word, folks. That's how you guard yourself against sin. That's how you guard yourself against sin. And where are we here? Um, verse 14. I also say 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Again, how do you do that? How do the words of your mouth, which, like I said before, I put my foot in mine all the time. How do the words of my mouth and, mouth and the meditation of my heart, how are those things acceptable in God's sight? Well, they're acceptable if you're in a word, if you're seeking him, if you're looking at Psalm 19 and saying, you know what, if the word is that important to God and he's reaching out to us and he's pointing us in that direction, I need to be in there. That's where the meditation, like we read before in Joshua, that's where the meditation of my heart should be day and night so that I can be prosperous and I can have success so that what I do is acceptable in God's sight. Yeah. You know? What time we got here? We got a little bit to go. All right. So you had anything to add there? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it, it's 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 very true. I mean, my wife and I were talking about it because I asked her this question. I was like, do you ever go a day, you know, now that God has truly changed your life, do you ever go a day without thinking about him? I mean, I, I, I try to think of, of times where I, I just, even if it's something, even if it's, you know, looking at my shortcomings, I, it, I'm always pointed to God in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, Alex is right. If you, if you step away from the Word, you will feel it. If you are accustomed to reading God's Word and wanting to know God more, and you step away from it, you will feel it. And the only way to keep from sin is to make your affections the commandments of God, like the God's word and what he says in it and, and learning and knowing God. And those old affections will be drawn out. So make your affections the word of God. Make your affections Christ. And then those old affections that you once 
were affectionate to will be drawn out because if that's what God's holiness does, he takes you and he sets you apart from your old self and makes you new. So there, it's impossible to stay the same. You continue to grow and you continue to mature and it's a constant um, uphill kind of changing sanctification that you go through. That's right. It is a sanctification process. It's not a 12, this is not a 12 step, like I said before, process that (laughs) we're preaching here. It's actually a 365, 24-7 system that we're preaching here. I mean, it's a constant thing. Yeah. Okay. There's no, there's no secret book out there in some Christian bookstore that if you read it, this is going to help me guard my life from sin. It's real simple. It's just one step. Stay in the word of God. Yeah. Meditate on Psalm 19, like we just did here. Meditate on it. Make that, like I said, get up in the morning and say to yourself, the word comes first. Mm. And read it, okay? It's almost like a diet. You ever start a diet? I'm not big on diets, but I've tried a few of them. (laughs) Not that they haven't been successful, but it's a discipline you've got to develop, right? If you decide, let's say, not to eat carbs, then you've got to make that decision and not do it. That's right. And the moment that you cheat yourself, yourself, you know, you're setting yourself back. This is no different. The moment that you set up uh, um, a commitment, you commit to doing something like reading the word of God every day, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. But you got to get to the point where it becomes part of what you do, like almost like muscle memory. Yeah. One one thing that has helped me with uh, making sure that I am putting God's word first is putting it in my calendar and time blocking it at this time in my calendar. Because that's what we use. We use our calendars to tell our, our whole week, our whole day. And I put it in my calendar at this time. I am going to stop and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend time with God in his word. And it works. Amen. So let's go into um, talking about growing in Christ, because I think we've sufficiently covered how to guard yourself from sin. It's real. It's a one step program, people being the word of God daily. Try your best to do that. Growing in Christ is guarding your life in Christ. That's another way of looking at this. First Timothy four says, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve in these things. For as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Colossians 1.23 says, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Isn't that interesting? What we were talking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. in Psalm 19 says, the gospel which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Right there in Colossians 23. So it is of the utmost important that you don't compromise your opportunity to share the gospel with others simply because your own life may not fully exemplify Christian virtues that you proclaim. Remember, your actions and behavior can have a profound impact on others who perceive Christianity and its teachings. So that's important. We can't compromise who we are. If we're going to guard ourselves from sin, that's clear. One step program, you be in the word every day. Right. Now, compromising and growing in Christ, we can't compromise our our message. We can't compromise who we are. And those two verses that I've read there, you see, this is Paul telling uh, Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching so you can persevere in these things. Yeah, that's so true. You've got to guard yourself in Christ. You've got to guard yourself in the gospel. All right? So therefore, strive to align your life 
with the principles and values of the faith you profess so that your message may resonate powerfully with those you are seeking to guide spiritually. So okay. True. Now I'm getting into the fact that okay, we're guarding ourselves from sin. We're going to guard ourselves in Christ. We've got a mission, and we've talked about this mission here. The gospel is to go spread it throughout the ends of the earth. We've got to share what we have, but we can't share what we have if we're compromising our message. That's so true. Yeah. You can't live like the world and expect someone to listen to your Christian gospel because they're going to say this guy is not walking the talk. Or the opposite. Oh, I guess I can do that as a, a believer. I guess this gives me license to do this. Which is even worse, which is yeah. putting a stumbling block in front right. of someone. If they see you doing something that, you know, it's Christianity says and the Bible says that it's wrong, okay, but they see you do it, then, you know, maybe right. it's cool. Right. That's leading people down their own path. You proclaim who you are with the people that God puts in your path. And if you're going to be out there putting yourself out there as a Christian, then you've set a high standard for yourself. Yeah. You've set a high standard in your own life because, like we've been talking about, you're going to live by the word of God. You're going to live, you know, daily looking to God to guide you through his word. But the moment that you're out there and people around you know that you're a Christian, they're going to have a certain expectation that you manifest that. Yep, yep. So you have to consistently live out your Christian virtues. You can authentically reflect the transformative power of the gospel and inspire others if you just embrace that, that you have that responsibility, that your faith has the power to transform other people's lives. At least send the message that, look, what that person has, I want that too. And we've talked about this in many episodes. You've got to be light out there. You've got to be that light on the hill, like, uh, like, like Jesus says. We've got to be that shining light that when people sees us, what is it that that person has? I want that. If you're going to draw people to yourself, then be consistent in your Christian walk. Guard yourself in Christ and be like him. So true. You want to grow in Christ? Be like him. Okay? Because having a solid understanding of theology, although it's essential and it's important to acknowledge and address that, Okay, if theology, okay, you can understand it completely. You can understand the doctrines of the Bible and still get your testimony wrong. That's so true. Yeah. Okay, you can be a biblical scholar and live like the Dickens out there and it contradicts and it almost wipes out who you are. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look at this guy. He studies the Bible. He's a Bible teacher, but look at the way he acts. Look at the way he drinks. Look at the way he, you know, whatever. Right. Okay, you've got to live a life that's consistent with the message. All right, so you can possess an accurate knowledge of the scriptures, but you're going to struggle to convey the good news of the gospel message if your actions don't align with biblical principles. That's true. You can't say I'm an apple tree and then grow nothing but oranges or, you know, be a dried up tree. You have to grow some sort of apple on your tree if you're professing to say that I'm an apple tree. So it's crucial that you live out your faith authentically and consistently. Guard your actions because they can have a profound effect on people and how they view Christianity. So strive to align your lives and by the principles that, that the Bible teaches us, the principles right. that we in turn profess. And remove those stumbling blocks so that you can have a transforming power in people's lives. And that's transformative power is them, number one, seeing the change in your life. And, and creating that desire in them to, to have the same thing and then pointing them to the scripture. 
Okay, so let me give you a little bit uh, of advice here too. I wrote a couple of things that, that I think is good advice and some goals to set. Number one is grow in your understanding of the scriptures. That's number one. That's what this podcast is here for. That's why we're doing this, Christian. That's why we started this thing. It's to help people grow in their understanding of the scriptures. It's important to commit to studying and expanding your knowledge of the Bible. Ensure that you grow in your understanding of the Word of God. Dedicate the time and the effort to reading it daily and comprehending it thoroughly. Don't be mechanical about it and just read your devotional book. And I got my devotion done and then be on your way. No, dig into it. Dig into it. Dive into it. Find a verse that, that, that turns you on and go dig in the rest of the Bible trying to understand just what God is saying there. Cross reference it with something. You know, dig into it. Make it meaningful. Don't make it mechanical. Make it meaningful. The gospel holds immense value in every verse because every verse speaks about Christ. And he's our, soap, he's our hope for inspiration. It said in Luke 24, we mentioned it before, if you search the scriptures, they speak about him. You know, look, like we said before on the road to Emmaus, the Bible is about him. And that's the value of growing in Christ. If you're dedicating yourself to understanding the scriptures, who are you dedicating yourself to understand? Christ, right. who is God, who manifested himself through his son. God has reached out to you yeah, he does. to show you who he is. He's given you a world that, that shows you that he's amazing by what he's created. And he points you to his word so that he can know that he has a plan for you. And that plan is for you to know his son. That's right. So growing in Christ is to know him. There is immense value in reading it because it speaks about him. That's how you grow in Christ. You cannot be devoted to reading the scripture and not see him in it. This is what the disciples on the road to Emmaus was missing. Good Jews in those days had great knowledge of the scriptures, but they still weren't getting it. It's not until Christ showed up and said, look, this is me. Every step of the way, here, 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 and here, that's me. And they were like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And ran to everybody and said, guess what we just found out? Yeah, yeah. Turned them on, man. They were on fire. You can be too. If you seek him in scripture, that's how you grow in Christ. So let me give you a goal. This is something that's helped me, and it's helped me when I've talked to people who are new to the faith, okay? A good place to start if you want to devote yourself to immersing yourself in the scriptures and, 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 and getting to know who the Christ of the Bible is, the, you know, immerse yourself in the Gospels. Matthew, Amen Mark, Luke, and John. Become familiar with them. Okay. Don't make it mechanical. Don't say, hey, I've got to read the old New Testament or get it done by spring or, or read the Bible in a year. Those are great endeavors, too. I do that. I read the Bible. You know, uh, I, I cover it in a year. I try to cover it every year, read the Bible at least once. But I dig in. And sometimes the way that I've dug in, dug in and I've gotten a real benefit out of it is I focus on the Gospels because they speak about him. I've read the book of John over, I remember one month, I think I read it over like five, six times in mm. one month because wow. I wanted to dig in. I was seeing Christ in everything. Mm. And I was on John for like a month just reading <laughs> it again and again and again. And that happens. 
You know, my wife was conveying to me earlier this year, she was digging into Matthew and she goes, you know what? Matthew is awesome. It is. And she's like, I love Matthew. And I think she started to read it again. If I recall correctly, she actually told me I'm reading it again. Wow. Okay. The gospels are a great place to start. Read them all. Again, if it's the only thing you do this year, just read the Gospels. And, and I agree. I agree with that because it will bear witness to the person of Jesus, who he was, and the work that he came to do. You know, listen to what he preached in the Gospels. Really ask God to help you to try to understand the final days of Jesus from the moment he prayed at Gethsemane to the crucifixion. Um, and then the miraculous work of his resurrection. Find out why this happened. And the Gospels will speak on this. What is its significance or importance for today? I mean, it happened 2,000 years ago. So it, it must be important now. And it will ultimately point you to the good news, the gospel that God has brought. That's why Paul determines to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because Amen. it's the only thing that holds a value more than the most expensive thing in this world, like you talked about gold uh, earlier. Well, it's like um, Psalm 19 said, it rejoices the heart. That's right. To That's read right. the gospels and see Jesus and, and what he was teaching, what he, it rejoices the heart. So immerse yourself in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Become familiar with them because if you get saturated with these Gospels and your, your heart, I promise you, will become captive to Jesus Christ. That's right. I guarantee you, if you just immerse yourself, dive right in, get saturated like we talked about. Jesus Christ was saturated with the Scriptures. Saturate yourself with Him. Read those Gospels once, twice, six times until you just get saturated with Him. And I guarantee you, your heart will be captive to Him. It's true. Because that's where He is. That's where he is, and, and nowhere than the Gospels, more profoundly. The Gospels were important to the early church. The early church, and in, in, in those Gospels contained teaching for them. It taught them about life. It, 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 it basically uncovered the mysteries of the Old Testament to them, and more importantly, the death and G resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what brings life. So the, the, the early church understood this. And remember, the Gospels that we have in our Bible, these are, these are books that were handed around from church to church. And later on, the letters that Paul did and all the letters that the disciples did, all those things are things that kind of circulated the church, almost like what we see in China now. Right, right. Where you're not allowed to have a Bible and you go to a town and every, every person has a page because no one's allowed to own one. Yep, yep. And so they come together, they put their pages together, and they've got a book. Yep. Well, they'll memorize it really quick. They'll memorize it so that they have it in their hearts. So we're talking about just reading those Gospels and sticking to it and just immerse yourself. And there's some countries where you're not allowed to have the, boss, the, the Gospel. And guess what? That may be all they have. And yeah. what are they doing? Reading it again and again and again That's and again. That's true. That's true. You think they're getting value from that? Absolutely. I mean, they're putting their life at risk to do it. You get caught with a Bible in China, you're under arrest. Okay, so these gospels were important to the early church. Don't don't uh, underestimate how important because it taught the early church. It set a foundation for their faith, and it, it served as a guide for the early believers to understand who Jesus was and how to follow him. And, and not only that, but the example to emulate. Jesus is the example that we em emulate. 
not only that, but the Gospels also testified on how the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled regarding the Messiah right. as That's well, right. too. They understood that, and the establishing of a new covenant under God that happened with Jesus Christ. We kind of swerved into it a little bit with marriage and the gospel, how Jesus did that new covenant. We're going to cover in the future the new covenant as well, too. But, you know, remember the Jews were looking for the promises of God and they were fulfilled in Christ. Yeah, yeah. And the gospels and the story about the Savior and how he came and what he taught and how he lived and what he accomplished on the cross and how he resurrected. Those are all things that served to make them understand what God was doing through the word. It opened up those mysteries. So there's some some goals and some advice I'd like to give to folks who are listening. I think that's great advice. You know, everyone's got their own groove when it comes to, to the Bible, but the Gospels are important. It's, there's no harm, and there's definitely immense value in just reading them. Yeah. And, and if you got to read them again and again, do it. If it gets value, do it. And there could be another book in the Bible that does it for you. Do that too. A lot of people love Psalm 23. If you can dig into it and stay there a month and God's talking to you, do it. That's so true. And that's really our point, right? Get into it, dig into it, and see Christ in all of it. That's how you grow in Christ. So remember that the seed of the word is life, and it bears fruit in your life if you plant that seed. Because in Luke 6 says that out of the abundance of the heart, right? That's what comes out of the abundance of the heart, right? As a matter of fact, let me go there and let me read that. Uh, Luke 6, 43, 45. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree that produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a bramble bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil treasure brings, brings forth what is evil. For the mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. So... Guess what's going to happen in your life if you're immersed in the scriptures? The abundance of your heart is going to be good. Yeah. And that's the fruit that you will bear. I mean, the parable of the sower, you can read that. That's in, in Mark 4. Read those. You can see how those seeds bear fruits 30, 60, 100 fold in that good soil. Be that good soil, but you got to water it every day. That's right. You got to water it every day. You got to give it sun. Okay, the same sun that we saw that illuminates the earth in Psalm 19. That's the light of the gospel, the light of the word. So Matthew 3 says, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's another thing that growing in Christ does and, and being in the scripture. You're going to repent from a lot of the things. You know, a lot of people get hung up. And I've done this many times when I've shared the gospel with somebody. One of the stumbling blocks is, well, how am I going to deal with this? I know I'm doing this wrong in my life. I don't want to do this. And, and how do I stop? Do don't worry about that. Get into the word of God. Read it. Let the word transform you and God will help you shed those things. Mm -hmm. I met many people that had grave sins in their life and, and they repented from those things. But it took them a while to get out of that life. And it took the word of God and being devoted to it to kind of sanctify their lives and almost like gold being melted and purified. That stuff just got sifted out eventually because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. So if you've got great sin in your life that you're challenged to get rid of, immerse yourself in the Word of God. God has a way of just getting that stuff out of there anyway. That's right. You know? 
And that comes by repenting from those things and bearing fruit, putting in what's good so that good can come out. And crave, like Peter says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that it may grow in respect to salvation. I love that. I, I, I love what Peter says here in 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, long for pure milk of the word. My kids can tell you, and we used to, if you guys have been listening long enough, you know, one of the things that my kids used to complain about and they used to kind of, uh, you know, get frustrated with that. I, I have a high standard for scripture. And if I go to a church and they're not teaching from the pulpit correctly, I'm gone. You know, I, I, I go looking for whether the, 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 the word is held in high regard and it's taught the way it's supposed to be taught. You know, and I used to show up at these churches and, you know, and people would say, well, let's let's see how it is. When he got to the sermon, to me, that was the meat. I used to call that part of the service. Oh, let's get to the meat. I love the worship part. I love the singing part. But to me, the meat of being on Sunday was when that word was open up and it was taught. And you know how many times I went to churches, visiting churches, being with people in different churches. And the time came for the sermon and the meat wasn't there. Mm. You know, it happens. And mm-hmm. in, in the way I, I bring that up because I'm like that. I call it meat. But Peter says here, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. I long for it. I don't show up at a church with an expectation to get a lame sermon. Yeah. I go there. I'm, I want to hear the meat. Yeah. Peter calls it the pure milk here. It, it's funny that you say that because my daughter, uh, Luna, um, she's a year and a half and Boy, when she wants milk, she will let you know. And it's not like, I want milk. It's like, milk! And she will proclaim it and <laughs> and and put some umph in behind her voice. Better get and her you, milk. Yeah, you better get her milk. But that's how we should be with the word of God. It's like, I want, I need, and want the word of God. It, it's almost like you're demanding it. You want it because you know you need it. You know that you need God's word because you know that without God's word, you're not going to grow. Without Jesus, you're not going to grow. So you need it. It's the same way my daughter knows I need milk because it's going to satisfy me. It's going to soothe me. That's what the word does. And Peter uses that analogy because it's just like you say, Christian, that's an easy one to understand. Yeah. The baby needs to survive by its mother's milk. And it craves it, it desires it, it needs it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't get there easily. It takes all the disciplines that we've been talking about this whole episode. It takes a commitment of being in there every day. Yeah. Okay, you may get started and say, okay, I'm going to commit myself to reading my Bible, but it'll be maybe a few days, a few weeks, maybe even a few months, depends on where you are spiritually, before you get to the point where you're like, man, I desire that pure milk. Yeah, yeah. I need it. Man, I didn't read my word today. I don't. I got to get to it. Yeah. I got to have it. Okay, it'll take you there because, like I said, it's like muscle memory. You've got to train yourself to be there. Okay, but you got to give God that opportunity to let let him do that in you. Because remember, God is working in your life. And if you're not giving him the time, what do you what's he going to do with what you give him? Yeah, it goes down to something we've said. I know we've mentioned this in the past. God gave us his his best. Don't give him just a minute here and there. Yeah, Yeah. Give him the very best of you. Give him substantial and, and, and profound time, serious time with him. Okay, God, I'm here for you. Show me. Yeah. I'm going to do this every day. Yep. That's true. Do something in my life. You know, it doesn't have to be anything specifically. Just speak to me through your word. 
Help me bear some fruit. I want to get where I'm longing for the pure milk of the word. Get me there, Lord. I guarantee you he will get you there because there's no desire greater in God's heart than you be drawn to him. And the word will do that. The That's word right. will do that. Ephesians 4 talks about putting on a new man. The only way to grow in Christ is to put on this new man. Okay, let me read that. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 4, 24. To, um, 24, 17 to 24. Therefore, this I say and testify in the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also work with the futility of their mind. And we talked about that a little bit. Wisdom is not enough. To know God exists is not enough. That's futile. You got to right. get into the word. Verse 18, being darkened in their mind, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. Now, how do you think someone gets there in verse 17 and 18? How do they become hard in the heart? How do they alienate themselves from God? The Gentiles, he's talking about the, the non-Jews. Whoever doesn't seek out the Lord, this is what's going to happen. The hardness of your heart and the darkness of your mind will take over. Yeah. And, and verse 19, and they have become callous having given themselves over to the sensuality for practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. In other words, be different from the world. The world doesn't care about the Bible. The world doesn't care that God reveals himself in creation. The world doesn't care that he's pointing us to his revealed and divine word. Right. His scripture, the Bible, this precious, this precious book that we have. The world doesn't care about that. Don't be like them. Verse 20 says, you did not learn about Christ in this way. Indeed, you heard him and were taught in him just as truth is in Jesus to lay aside in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lust the, the lust of deceit and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holy truth. This scripture here speaks of that transformation, that transformation that happens to us when we do seek his word. You become like Christ, that corrupt nature, those lusts, that deceit that is natural to us gets discarded and your mind is renewed and what mind do you take on when you read the word of god christ the mind of, of christ if you're going to think don't think with your mind think with his mind and the only way to do that is to be transformed by him yeah and that's you do by putting on the new man this goes back to our nicodemus conversation be born again that's right be born again. I've got a great teaching on that that's coming. But born again, that concept of being renewed, David understood it, understood it. Okay? When he was talking about how his great transgressions were going to be put aside and he would be blameless and he would be free from that sin and he would be acceptable acceptable in the sight of God, he knew that he had to become Psalm 51. Creating me a new heart, he says yeah, that. Yeah. You only do that by becoming a new man. And there's one more verse that I want to share, and it's going to kind of lead us into some future teaching that we got coming. And that's in 2 Corinthians 3. And what I like about this verse, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, I'll read it to you. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This verse 
speaks to how our transformation and the purpose of that transformation is so that we can be more like Christ. I mean, that's what God wants. That's what he wills for your life, Mm. that you be like his son. So to behold the glory of the Lord is to behold Christ. When you see him, you saw the Father. To behold Christ is to see the glory of God and to be transformed by him. Be transformed from that glory. And I love that it says here, transform into the same image from glory to glory. Guess what? It doesn't happen all at once. It's a progression. It's something that's continuous in your life. It's something that you until we get glorified. Right. And Christ comes and we're glorified in him. Okay, this is something that God reveals and conforms us to his image from glory to glory to glory. And that's all done through the spirit. I love that verse. And we'll dig into that in the future, I promise you. But what I want to convey with that second Corinthians 318 verse is that that's the goal, folks. That's how you grow in Christ to be in the word and to just immerse yourself in him because the scriptures speak of him. And that's the whole purpose, why we wake up in the morning, so we can be transformed by him, so yeah. that we can grow to be more like him. That's right. I've always said that our God is a God of increase. And what I mean by that is that he doesn't want us to be the same person that we were yesterday. Mm. He wants us to be something better today. Okay? And being something better today is being more like his son. You may have not been like him yesterday, but there's today. Be perfect like I am perfect. It's something we should endeavor to do every day. Be like Christ. Today I'm going to be like Christ. Tomorrow I'm going to be like Christ. Next week I'm going to be like Christ. Next month I'm going to be like Christ. Next year I'm going to be like Christ. My whole life is to be like Christ. Mm. So that's what I'm going to call every one of our listeners to do, to seek him out. Seek him out in the scriptures. You protect yourself and you guard yourself against sin by being in the word. There's no way about one-step program. I don't know if we were the first one to coin that in this <laughs> podcast, but here's the one-step program. Open your Bible and read it. That's right. Okay? It's one of our principles. You got to read the Bible. That's one of the things. If you want to live relentlessly biblical, you got to open it up and read it. And when you read it, seek him out. Seek who God is and how he revealed himself through his son and transform your life to be like him. That's so important, man. Anything else you want to say to that? Because I'm, I'm like fired up and ready to go <laughs> run down the block screaming. No, I mean, that's great. I mean, bringing it back to Psalm, one, one, uh, Psalm 19, not 119, but 19, you have general revelation and then you have uh, the special revelation through God. Um, you know, Martin Lloyd Jones uh, spoke about an indirect way people stumble at the cross. Um, you know, people want to get to know God and they want to get right with God and know more about God, and also, you know, um, you know, want to perhaps live the Christian life. And the question he always asks is, how do you propose to get to know God? Right? How do you want to get to know God? And 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 what are you going to do about it? And the answer is usually living a good life living a life that is is good um and the question is like okay we're okay that's great but where does christ come in and you know when christ is mentioned it's like well he's a good example to help me but then the question martin lord uh, jones asks is does his death mean anything to you 
and there's always some sort of hesitation. And, you know, Martin Lord joins Martin Lloyd Jones ends with this thought. They begin with God quite apart from the death of Christ upon the cross. And there is the indirect stumbling block. And, you know, for us believers, we don't want to go backwards, right? And try to please God by working the law. You know, we sin, we stumble, we work the law to try to get right with God. No, you are already right with God because of Jesus. That's why you always have to point back to Jesus and look at Jesus and look at Jesus and read the Gospels because that's the only way you're going to know about Jesus. You know, when people want to get it right with God, um, and, and when Jesus mentions he's the only, you know, he's the only example to them and not the means by which they can be saved. So don't just allow Jesus to be an example. Let him be the, let him be the means by which you are saved. Amen. And that is the whole point why we learn about Christ. Because when we do fall, right, the righteous fall seven times and seven times they get back up. When we do fall and we do fail, what do we do? We get back up, we repent. We turn from it and we continue growing in Christ. God already knows your nature is sin. He knows that already. There's nothing new to him. What he wants you to do is know his son and know him more and more in a way that draws out those old affections and draws the new, the new ones in with Christ. That is the goal. You are justified by Christ, not by your works. You are justified by what he did and the death on the cross and what he's accomplished. Focus on that. Stop focusing on your sin. Focus on Jesus Amen. and those affections will be drawn out. Amen. Yeah, that's that's where we want everybody to be. Focus on him and you will be captive to him once you give your heart to him. So yeah. we encourage you guys to do that. Well, that's the episode for today. I'm, I'm hope this brings value to everyone. I'm sure it does. It brought some real value to yeah, me. Yeah, that was great, man. Talking about this stuff. So I just want to tell everybody again, we love you guys. So thank you for being out there. And when I say I love you, I really do. Amen. I really so love true. the fact that you're out there listening to us and supporting us. So Christian, again, this is awesome. Thank you. And guys, well, we'll you. see you for the next episode. God bless you. And we love you. I love you guys. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that we have been an encouragement to you. This episode has been made possible by listeners like you. Please consider partnering with us through your prayers and gifts. Your support enables us to provide sound biblical teaching that helps others open up their understanding of the scriptures across the globe. To support the show financially, click the Donate Now link in the episode notes, or you can visit our podcast website at relentlesslybiblical.org and use a donate link in the podcast player or the support this show button that's on our homepage. Thank you for your gracious support. Join us again for our next episode and remember to always be in God's word and stay relentlessly biblical. This episode has been a production of Core Truth Media, owned and operated by Core Truth Ministries. This podcast was recorded and engineered at Prevail Studios.